Actually, I hope not, right? Let's pray together. That your Holy Spirit, O God, might find a home here among us this day and stir us up to be the people that you are calling us to be. Bless our children as they depart. May they learn the stories of Jesus and sing the songs of faith. May we all be nurtured and raised as your children to serve you and love you and treasure the gift of this life every day. In the beautiful name of the one who sent the advocate for us, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. On Friday mornings, we have a group of men who meet for, uh, supposedly for an hour. We get together at 745, all men, some 15 or so of us. I don't think we're sexist pigs, but we are all guys who gather. And it really, every Friday is kind of a Pentecost Sunday experience because it's all about the Holy Spirit, and wherever the conversation goes, it goes. This past Friday, we were talking about uh, the mystery of heaven and afterlife. Uh, it was the day after my family had marked the sixth or the fifth anniversary of our son Bobby's death. It was also the day after our beloved Edie Hoeing had passed away. And it was uh, not long after we had learned of the death of one of the great lions in our Baptist community, uh, Wayne Ward. So we were talking about heaven and hope and reunions and near-death experiences and even visits from those who have died and have come back in very palpable, visible ways to people. It was 8.45 and it was time to quit. It's hard to stop that conversation. It's like a train going down a track, but... I needed to get to work. I had a sermon to write and a funeral sermon to write and an ordination uh, charge to write. And I was feeling the pressure and I was just about to say, we've got to go. And Jay said, I've got a story I need to tell. I'm like, oh, come on. (laughs) It was kind of choked up, so it wasn't coming quickly. Jay volunteers with Kentucky Refugee Ministries, which three days a week has uh, children and mothers here in our building who uh, need help, need, need people who will come alongside them and help them learn more about the English language and English culture. And Jay's one of the beautiful volunteers that Terry Conley has organized to do that kind of work. They were on a break just outside the sanctuary. There was an Iraqi woman, fairly new to the group, uh, part of the Kurdish minority, who saw our own Alice Vardaman, another church volunteer, kind of prop the door open so that she could bring her little cart in with the things that she needed to clean up the pews and fill the racks with the offering envelopes and visitor information that's there each week. She left the door ajar, And this woman, this Iraqi mother, was just drawn like a magnet over to the door. She peeked in the door and made her way into this place. Her jaw dropped and 
She just looked in wonder around this room. She had no idea what the, who the people were in the windows or what the symbolism of everything was. But something sacred was clearly just washing over her. Alice engaged her in a little conversation and shared some of the meaning of the room. The woman said, in my culture, in the mosques, the men go inside. But the women, we have to stay outside. And I've never been in a sacred place. And when Jay told us those words, it was clear that she was not only talking about a location, but an experience. I've never been in a sacred place. And so before she left to go back to her English class, she said, would would you take my picture so that I can remember this moment? Back at the men's group, we were way over time. But we noticed the power of this moment, this story that Jay had shared. It it wasn't about converting people. It wasn't about competing religions. It wasn't about Christianity versus Islam. It was about celebrating the mystery of this love, this God who envelops a room and envelops a woman who doesn't fully understand, but somehow it unites her with us and it breaks down this barrier and it grabs her heart. And if I were to ask you to describe, to put an image on that experience, what would you say? How would you convey that? How would you capture that moment? Maybe you would say something like, the Spirit of God came down. The Bible gives us a variety of images to paint a picture of the Spirit of God. We call it the Holy Spirit. There is, of course, the familiar dove that Ashley flew for us today. This image that comes from Genesis chapter 8, the story of Noah, after the floods of judgment uh, began to recede, he sends out the dove to see if the season of judgment is over and if reconciliation with God is going to begin. And the dove returns with the olive branch to say, yes, we're together, we're united. Or the dove from the Gospels where Jesus himself is baptized and as he comes out of the water, it says the spirit descended like a dove and lighted upon him. This spirit, this dove of unity and oneness with the mystery of God. The dove is Holy Spirit. But then Jesus gave us another image, that of the advocate. The advocate is A legal term for a person who argues your case, who stands up on your behalf. The advocate is your defender, and the advocate is Holy Spirit. But then there are some ominous images that come to us from this second chapter of Acts, the the day of Pentecost. There's the image of wind, wind, and I only need 
to say the word Henryville, to remind us of the power, the destructive power of wind. But when we talk of wind, we can also talk about energy. And that which pollinates, that which moves the seed to its place to to give birth to something new. And we can talk about direction, direction. We read on Friday Church on occasions this little children's book called The Runaway Bunny. The Runaway Bunny is the little bunny trying to run away from its mother. The Runaway Bunny says, "Uh, I'm going off to the mountains. I'm going to become a mountain climber. The mother says, well, then I'll become the mountain. The little bunny says, well, if you become a mountain, I'll become a sailboat, and I'll sail away from you. To which the mother says, if you become a sailboat, I'll become the wind, and I'll guide you where I want you to go. Wonderful image of the Spirit of God guiding us, even when we cannot detect it, guiding us. But there are other images from this second chapter of Acts. The image of fire. We know the destructive powers of fire. But we also know that fire brings warmth. It's what we cook our food by. It's what we light our way by. It's what we warm ourselves together around. It creates a place for us and even can be used to refine us, purify us. So Holy Spirit as fire. It's the last one that's the weirdest to me. The Holy Spirit as tongues. Tongues. Tongue has got to be the ugliest part of the human body, don't you think? I mean, if you looked at your tongue lately, keep it in your mouth, please. (laughs) It's ugly, it's bumpy, it's this muscle... And we know its destructive power. We know the capacity, whether we're talking about two children or two adults or two nations, the ability to say things that harm the other. But in the second chapter of Acts, the tongues become the capacity of the people of God to understand each other and connect to each other across cultural and language and experiential barriers so that there's this oneness that seems to happen on that day. They're able to speak and hear in a soulful way beyond any human barriers. There is this radical reorientation and this reuniting of souls that happens by way of tongues And Acts says, that's Holy Spirit. That's Spirit of God. There's a lot of talking going on in the world today, as you know. There are so many words being spoken 24-7 on all of the TV channels, on the Internet. There are words and words and words, but there is far less deep hearing and connecting and uniting there are lots of recruitments. There are lots of promises. But there are, there's far less healing and reconciling and restoring. But on the day of Pentecost, when the church was gathered all together, the world 
came together. Just for a moment, it came together. And the barriers came down. And God was present. I find it interesting that we can create ways to reenact some of these images. We can get a tape recording of wind and play it over the sound system to project that image of wind. And we can make these beautiful banners with the flames to depict the fire of God. And we can fly the, the dove kite over our heads and have the image of Holy Spirit as dove. But how do you represent the Holy Spirit as tongue? A tongue that creates unity and purpose and oneness that really changes the world. You can't simulate it. It has to be a people who have the capacity to so trust in God and stay together in the moment that something happens, something new happens And God comes down. These are challenging times right now for this Highland Baptist Church community. If you're visiting this morning, you might not know of the many new things that are sort of on the table. It's it's the church staff's fault. Uh, They've come up with all these different new ideas for the church. That's a joke. But together we have talked about a new day for us. Not out of desperation, but out of calling. A new day for us. and So a new logo and a new mission statement and a new, perhaps a new capital campaign to change some of our building and the idea of changing some of our Sunday structure. I know it's created an enormous amount of dis-ease among our community of faith. And I regret that, except for the fact that sometimes you have to have dis-ease before you get to that new place. But some folks are saying we are overextended. We've got too many moving parts, too many things changing at the same time, while others are saying, with the psalmist of old, how long, O Lord? Uh, Why can't we get moving? We are tired of the slow work of love. We have different ideas. We can argue just like they did in the book of Acts. We have different points of view. We're not sure about each other. The fishermen are worried about the tax collectors in the group, and the tax collectors are worried about the carpenters, and they're all kind of worried about this new guy, Paul, who shows up on the scene. Who's this new guy, and who put him in charge? So there's friction. In the book of Acts. And we're concerned about the fact that outsiders, people outside of Highland, are going to hear the crazy things we're doing here. And just like in the second chapter of Acts, they're going to go, What's up with those people? Are they drunk with new wine? And on the other hand, there's some of us that think, We are over the deep edge. Why are we changing these things that we love so much? So dis-ease within the community. And yet I wonder if 
we will stay together. And if we'll trust, if there's that possibility that Pentecost might happen again here among us, sometimes the things that are life-giving and life-building are those things that invite us to color outside the lines, if you will. We shared yesterday in this place Edie Hoeing's uh, funeral service. We told a great many stories about Edie, but I think our favorite stories was when she broke out of the norm. The story of her putting on her brother's Boy Scout uniform after being tired of being told, no, girls don't go hunting. The boys go hunting. They hunted down the street here in the field in Garmin's farm. Girls can't go hunting, they said, so... She put her, boy, her brother's Boy Scout uniform on, put the high boots on, and even cut her hair short and said, I'm ready to go hunting. She colored outside the lines. When she finished high school, she would go to Iroquois Park where they had nice little safe uh, horse rides. They would pay, you pay some money, you could get on a horse, on the saddle, and ride down the trail. Very safe, very respectable, but not eaty. Edie would take an apple to the Iroquois Park and find the horses off to the side that didn't have their saddles on them, lure them over, and then jump on their backs and ride off into the woods outside the lines. And then I love the story we heard at the graveside. After it was all over, someone told the story of how Edie got her blind 80-year-old father up on the roof of their house on Lowell Avenue to clean out the gutters. You know, poor Mac Darby, who sat by Edie all those years, he didn't have any idea. He was messing with fire when he was sitting next to her. (laughs) What might happen through us if the Holy Spirit broke out of the norm here? If the Holy Spirit, the power of love, created a sacred breakthrough in a place like this, much like it did for that Iraqi woman who came in here and went, Oh, oh, okay. What might happen in a place like this if the holy wind found us here in our safe little upper room and opened the doors? Opened all the doors. And what might happen here if the fire of Christ refined us and readied us and created a place where everyone, everyone is welcome? Because we're all sinners. Because we're all welcomed by the healing love of of Christ. Come on in. And what would happen if the tongues of God let us really communicate with other people in your Bible study group, in your pew, who need healing and hope. They need need a friend. They They need somebody to walk this journey with. Sound the trumpet. We we will journey together, together. What would happen? Friday night after our evening service, I met a couple of young women who were here for the first time. They 
they came in a van from a halfway house here in town. And apparently this is a halfway house that specializes with in young women who are in recovery and who are pregnant. These two young women were obviously six or seven months pregnant. How'd you get here, I said. Well, a van brought us. They brought us for the church, but we're going to go to the Narcotics Anonymous meeting afterwards. There's a whole van of us. But only two of us came in because the other ones, they didn't think they'd feel welcome here. And really, I mean, I'm, she said, I'm, I'm sweating because I'm so nervous about being here in church. Our families have rejected us. Our boyfriends rejected us. We don't have anywhere to go. And I thought, there's room for you here. The holy wind of God has blown the doors open on this church. And there's room for you here. And there's warmth for you here. Because the holy fire of God has created this community of nurture and light and direction. And there's understanding for you here. Because the tongues of God, I don't know how, has come among us so that we understand. We understand that there's more to God, there's more to humanity, there's more to life than we ever realized. That Pentecost Sunday, God, God did the work. It's all about God. God did the work. But the church followed by living up to the two T's in this story. They trusted and they were together. They trusted that God would do the work, that God would bring the energy, that God would show the way, and they stayed together. Acts 2 begins with this line. On the day of Pentecost... When the disciples were all together in one place. Pentecost happened. And for a moment, the world united. As then, so now. Lord, let it be. Amen. Let's pray. We humbly pray for your spirit to be with us as we walk into our tomorrow as individuals and as this community of faith. We pray your Holy Spirit's coming upon our sister churches around the city and around the world. That the light of love, the power and the wind and dove of love might light upon individuals and communities and healing God healing happen among them. God, it is all you. It's all up to you. But we stand as your people, trusting and together. In the name of the one who sent the Spirit, Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.